This is the Power of Promise podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, episode number 122 with the author of It's Grief, The Dance of Self-Discovery Through Trauma and Loss, Edie Nathan. Hi, this is Terry Capshaw, author of Dying to Win, where I inspire a love of learning for the children in our lives. Thank you for listening to the Pathway to Promise podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, helping you overcome adversity in your life to achieve peace, prosperity, and purpose. You're on the Pathway to Promise with Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes every person has a God-given promised life of peace, prosperity, and purpose, and that you must have a plan and a guide to get there. The Pathway to Promise podcast not only is your guide through the wilderness of depression and disappointment that stand between you and your promised life, but also brings you insights and direction from inspiring, successful thought leaders who have transformed their lives. Welcome to the Pathway to Promise. Now, here's Brad. Hello, good people. Welcome to the Power of Promise podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Uh, glad to have you with me today. Glad to have you with me today on many levels because I've been on my own uh, in my home office and been separated from others. As you know, probably many of you are as well as we go through this crazy coronavirus situation. And what I'm separate from as much as anything, which is really bothering me, is my granddaughter and my mother. My granddaughter is two years old and she's isolated from me because I'm in my 60s and she is not supposed to be around me. And because of the spread of the virus, and then my mother is in an assisted living facility and they have um, basically the facility's locked down and they've actually had uh, about 10 confirmed uh, cases of the virus in the facility where she lives. So it's very, very concerning to me. And so I'm not be able to see or be in contact with my mother or my two-year-old granddaughter, as well as some other folks who I work with in my church and so on. And this is a point of some sadness and some grief for me because I miss those relationships. I bet you have some relationships or some situations that you're grieving as well that you have been separated from by this crazy coronavirus situation that we find ourselves in. And our guest today has a response to grief. Her name is Edie Nathan. Her book is called It's Grief, The Dance of Self-Discovery Through Trauma and Loss. In this book, she examines the emotional and devastating impact of trauma and loss and makes connections between brainwave activities and the the connection between uh, great teachers in our life. And through uh, she takes us through some phases of grief. I think you're going to find our conversation very helpful today because it mixes science-based things as well as emotional-based things, as well as psychotherapeutic things that she's involved with, because she is a, she is a therapist based in New York City and works with lots of people who are hurting, and including herself. She's had to be isolated herself uh, because of the coronavirus. When we talked the other day, she had to be isolated from others as well. So she has a wealth of knowledge to work with. She has degrees from New York University and Fordham University. And she is in family practice in New York City. Her name is Edie Nathan. She blogs at edienathan.com. Here at the Pathway to Pro- here at the Power of Promise podcast, we're all about helping you overcome adversity, including things like grief, to help you reach your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. Head over to our website, pathwayofpromise.com, for a lot more episodes and more information to help you overcome adversity, including grief. 
Right now, let's get into our conversation with Edie Nathan, the author of It's Grief. Uh, Edie, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks, Brad. It's great to be here. Awesome. Well, we're certainly glad to have you with us here today uh, on the uh, on the Power of Promise podcast. We're talking about your book here today called It's Grief, and I just think it's important for us to note that uh, we're chatting on in March of 2020 in the middle of a time of tremendous, uh, basically universal sadness and grief and trauma during this crazy um, coronavirus that's going on, the coronavirus that is impacting everyone. And uh, I myself am kind of holed up in my home office. And Edie, you're in your your place in New York City, uh, kind of isolated a little bit. And I would just like for you to speak to you a little bit about this great trauma that we are drama going on and maybe how the grief, we'll get to the specifics of your book in a minute, but what, how do you assess where we're at right now in terms of the drama that's causing grief in our world right now? Well, unlike a lot of uh, world grief uh, where, you know, different communities and, and different countries will be affected um, in their own way and we may not be affected by it at all. We are all going through this. We are all, no matter where we are in the world, people are losing people, loved ones to this virus. So this is a collective grief. This is a, this is a grief and a, and a loss that it doesn't matter our sex. It doesn't matter where we're from. It doesn't matter our socioeconomic backgrounds. It really doesn't even matter um, our sex what matters is that we are all being affected. We are all being told, stay home. We are all being told, you need social distancing. And one of the ways that we all tend to cope is to be with friends, to be with family. We're being told, stay away. And we've never really been told to stay away in the way that that we're being told to do this. And that can bring up even greater internal angst, grief, and trauma, and even memories of, of, of things that may have long been put away in the recesses of your mind. Wow. And it, that is very, uh, very true how it is uh, a collective experience, but we, uh, it's manifest to each of us individually how we uh, deal with the grief, and some people handle it better than others. Some people are more uh, naturally uh, introverted, for instance, to be uh, be able to handle things on their own. And there are some people I'm sure that being disconnected physically from others is just dramatic and traumatic and so on. And that it's a, a hard thing. And you are an expert on the topic of grief. And so you're a good person to talk to right now, especially on the functions of the complexities of the brain and how it works in all this process and how the, the, uh, the actual physiological aspects of, of our brain function just correlates with our emotional state and our stimuluses that are happening right here uh, that are going on here. Uh, and, and also this is matters of the soul, I think as well, you know, we, we have to inter, inter, interrelate those things. And, but I'm also a little bit in this process, let's get a little more personal about it. What are some things that caused you to get into this world to explore the area of grief? Were there any personal experiences that were uh, really pivotal for you in this process of deciding to really delve deep into grief? Of course, uh, it, it, grief has informed my decision to actually 
be in this field. Uh, I won't say it started when I was very young, but I will say that all of the experiences that I had from having been bullied and being an having been overweight and then having lost a very, very dear companion when I was 27 years old, um, left me realizing that we weren't having the conversation about grief and loss the way that I, I needed that conversation. And I wasn't finding people who could hold, hold me in that conversation, who could help me think about grief and my own loss and my own trauma from a different perspective. And that's why I decided to go into this field because I realized, wow, we need to have a conversation around this and, and have a different kind of conversation. There's nothing bad or wrong about going through all of the different phases of grief and there's no timeline. And the question that really got, that was a change agent question for me was when are you going to get over this? And I realized I was furious at that question. The anger that got aroused in me, Brad, was just, I, I, I can't even explain it. It's like, who are you to tell me I need to be over this? And that there's a timeline. And that's when that internal conversation began. And I started to think about, well, hmm, I think we need to have a different kind of conversation that, that we are afraid of grief. And so we want, we want to pack it up nicely. We, we want to put a bow on it and we want to say, okay, six months, a year, you're going to be done. But it doesn't work that way. And we are all affected by, by our own big G's and our little G's. And the big G's are, yes, the loss of a loved one or the loss of a limb or sickness. And our little G's, when they're not dealt with, which could be like a loss of a house or um, we're not where we thought we'd be in life. When they're not dealt with, they become bigger G's. So this is a much broader conversation. And that's really what I talk about in the book is, yes, grief is when we lose a loved one, it also comes into our lives on so many levels. And we don't call it that. So often it's misdiagnosed as, oh, you're depressed or you're anxious. And you may be depressed. You may be anxious. And there's grief that's aligning itself. So I want to know what, what are you yearning for? What are you hungry for? And at this point in time, what are we yearning for? Probably that COVID-19 just disappears off the face of this. Yes. Earth, right. It, it seems like a bad dream to a lot of folks or some weird horror movie, you know, that, that, you know, science fiction thing. And I think it goes to what you just said about the big G and the little G of grief, you know, ultimately so many of us put stock or put such uh, power in such things as our employment, which is very, very important, of course, but so many people's employment is going to be tremendously altered, already is, by this happening. And so how does the grief of losing your job or, you know, being laid off or whatever the process is compared to the G of losing a loved one or losing your own health or vitality and processing it? And I think what, look, what we're talking about here is how culture and how society wants us to understand grief kind of compartmentalized and how you are trying to advocate a, a, uh, a grieving process, a proper way to, to properly grieve. And I'd like you to talk about that a little bit, how we can learn some things. I know you talk about the phases of grief in your work. Tell us a little about how we can grieve, understand the grieving process and then apply it properly and not be, uh, you know, opposed by others. So it's, it's such an important part of this conversation, Brad, because there's no one right way to grieve. And people will often mistake 
oh, you're going through the stages of grief. Well, the stages actually were created by uh, the wonderful Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, but she was actually talking about the stages for someone who was dying, not for someone who was surviving the loss. And so instead of thinking of this as a stage, that, that there are many phases and, you know, grief is not linear. It doesn't follow a path kind of like this virus. It doesn't follow any one path. We're not exactly sure how it's coming in. Grief is the same way. And, you know, you bring up, you bring up job loss and we identify ourselves. What's the first thing we do when we meet somebody? Hi, my name is, what do you do? What do you do? Yeah. As in what is your, what's your job? What's your employment? How do you make money? Yes. Yes. And, and this may be an opportunity to not, to re-identify yourself and, and, and gee, well, who, who am I? Who do I want to be in this world? And this could be a golden opportunity. I know money is going to be tight for so many people and people are scared. And one of the thing that, things that happens in, in, in grief, especially right now, is that we can just plant ourselves in the fear and, and we can let that fear eat at us. And what we know statistically is that fear is like a disease as it creates internal dis-ease. And if we can just try to calm down a little bit, because you're not the only one that's going through this. Thankfully, we're all, we're all going through this. So you're not alone in this. Nobody's going to point their finger and say, this is your fault. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that about how since we're all going through this and everybody knows it's not your fault. I just heard something recently. It may or may not be true and it may not stand up over time. That, for instance, uh, some things that some people might have expected, like crime rates are not soaring like some people thought they might. And there's not quite as many, you know, uh, suicides and things like that as some people thought there might be. Uh, it's just I just think that's an interesting sidebar to our conversation in a way about how it's falling this together. We're processing grief in a little different way than some people would be. Well, tell us a little bit more about um, this interaction that we have with the world and with one another uh, and some of the tools that you think are available. What I want to get at here are, you know, we've got this situation at hand and we all have our own grief situations, loss of loved one, loss of health. I like to call them the five D's. I call the five D's of it of adversity or depression and divorce and uh, debt as in financial debt and uh, a disease like we're dealing with right now and death as in death of a loved one. I, call those, mm-hmm. I think in one way or another, almost all of us are impacted by all those at one time or another. But, uh, but what I want to get at with you is what are some bold, what are some actions that we can take to respond to this? Uh, what are some things that we can do a bold action of some sort? Okay, so one of the things that happens when we're grieving is we feel very shut down. Right now, especially because of social, so, so social distancing, uh, one of the things I highly recommend is stay in touch with friends and family. You may not be able to be in company with them. Reach out to them. FaceTime with them if you've got an iPad or an iPhone. If you don't, you know, actually snail mail. Go back to letter writing. Yeah. That's, you know, some of the, the ways that we used to communicate can, can, can be, we can go back to those. We can revisit those. The other thing that I like to suggest to people is start to create a life map. You have an opportunity now to think about, well, am I really happy in what I've been doing? Do I want to change up 
what I'm doing in my life right now. Because maybe this is an opportunity for you to be creative. It's an opportunity for you to map out, well, you know, I haven't really loved traveling 25 miles to work. I'm going to see if I can uh, do something differently. What are my passions? What do I love to do? So it's reconnecting with yourself in a way that maybe you haven't had the time to do. And the fear, you can sit in your fear, but you talked about the brain and your brain is one of your greatest allies here. So change the cognition, change the I'm stuck, I'm afraid to, well, there's nothing that I can do about what's going on in the world right now, but I can do something for myself. And Mm -hmm. what I can do for myself is I can start to rethink what my life is like, rethink how I interact in my relationships, rethink my own happiness factor, rethink how I use certain tools. And one of the tools is breathing because we we don't breathe a whole lot. And that shallow breathing can actually cause us to have more anxiety. And because we're afraid already, one of the things I would highly recommend is people to get into some relaxation breathing, which is really, really easy. You're just taking in a breath and letting it go and just allowing your body to calm down. And if you do that a couple times during the course of a day, it actually can change your brain. It can actually change the messages that of, of the fear response that may be going on in your body. If you take a deep breath and hold it for a beat or two and let it out, like in through the mouth, out through the nose or, or vice versa, there are some physiological and emotional and some, you know, I don't know all the dynamics yes. physiologically, but they're definitely there. You know, it just makes you feel a little bit better, a little more clean in a way, in an odd sort of a way. And I, I think that's a great thing that we can do and appreciate you sharing that. Let's talk about the soul for a minute, how we nurture our soul. Uh, I'm just a big believer that for a person to have truly be transformative, you have to, you know, you, you really have to, take some action. You have to get off your rear end and do something. You can't be dissolved into your, like I, I call it the malaise of mediocrity, where you just kind of sit and just wallow in your own self-pity. That's the taking action piece. But another part of this is to connecting to something greater than yourself, right. some spiritual place or something like that. Tell us a little bit about how connecting to some spiritual level or something of the soul can help us rejuvenate and to respond to these, to this inc- incredible uh, matter of grief. Well, you know, it's interesting because right now many houses of worship are, are closed. So if you, if any of your listening members, you know, found that going to, to their houses of worship would calm them, it doesn't mean that they can't be connected to the people who are affiliated with those houses of worship. Uh, prayer, no matter what your beliefs are, and it, it, it can be to a higher power, just having the ritual of, of, being thankful, of just being thankful, of saying, well, right now I'm taking in a breath and I'm letting it go. Right now, I, I have family members who I know love me. Right now, I am going to reach out to someone who I haven't reached out to in a really long time. And, and by reaching out, you are actually extending beyond the self. And if, 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 if the idea of spirituality is, is, is taking taking. A, a mindset that goes beyond the self and extending kindness and happiness. And there's a wonderful quote. This is just part of the quote actually from Buddha. I'm not a Buddhist, but I happen to love this quote, which is happiness never decreases by being shared. Mm-hmm. 
That is awesome. I'm not familiar with that one. That's a great one. Yeah. Well, just sharing your life together uh, can, and, and if you have a spiritual depth, then you can share that spiritual uh, centeredness as well in your relationship w- w- with others. And that's the next aspect I really wanted to ask you about is about this area, how I really feel it's so important that we be very intentional in connecting and connect with others, especially since we cannot do it in the physical space. I happen to be a pastor for church, and so I am uh, one of those people who leads a house of worship, which we are not meeting tomorrow, or this is a Saturday we're talking, and so we're doing virtual worship and do the best we can, which is not adequate in many ways, but what can we do is reach out to others in other ways, as you mentioned, physically, letter writing and other things like that. But I would like you to talk to the importance in terms of the grieving process of these loving, caring, emotional relationships, how in some way I like to call it the fuel that helps to, uh, helps to drive transformation. Let's just talk about relationships for a bit, loving, caring, dynamic relationships, and how the nurture of that is so powerful for the grieving process. Certainly, you know, not doing it alone. That's the, that's one of my hallmarks is, you know, don't do this alone, whether you're an introvert, an extrovert or an ambivert, you know, one person can make a difference. One, one conversation can make a difference, can make you feel like you are, you know, not drowning in your own solace or, or aloneness. And what we know is that people need people. We, you know, when babies are not touched, they fail to thrive, okay? When, when adults are not, do not have contact, they fail to thrive. And so that is a, a, a spiritual conversation. It is a human-to-human conversation, and it is a grief conversation. When we don't share what is going on within our, within our souls, within our psyches, then what we do is we masterfully create something that can bring us down. We've got to interrupt that thinking and share what's going on. Don't be afraid that people will judge you because if, if you, if you find that there are people in your life who are judging you, maybe it's time to assess if, if, if you even need those people in your life and maybe you don't, and maybe that opens up a world of new, new experiences and new people. There are chat rooms out there. There are, um, there are, as you said, you know, you're, you're doing a virtual um, meeting tomorrow with your church. So it, 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 there's a, going to be a lot of virtual experiences that people can have. And you may not have ever had a virtual experience before, but at least you get a chance to hear what other people are thinking. And maybe you'll get close to people in a way that you never thought. So I, I really love the idea of people realizing you don't do this alone. Don't feel that your, your fear is, is only yours, that your grief is only yours. You can share everything that's going on around you. And it may seem silly. Don't judge yourself. Don't shut on yourself. Allow the feelings to emerge because there are going to be many and the phases of grief don't come in any order. So you might feel angry or anxious. You, you might feel like, oh my God, I don't even know who I am anymore. And those are all part of a grief reaction. And, you know, they also can cause you to go deep into the self. Grief is like your fingerprint. No one experiences it exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, you mentioned about 
there's diff, there's different dynamics in our relationships. You know, you, you can have toxic relationships and there are some people who react to grief by going to some bitter, bad, even destructive places. And we got to be careful about that because it's, especially when uh, we're vulnerable, we can be susceptible to go to a bitter, bad, destructive place with other people. And so maybe that gives us an opportunity to open up to nurture those those uh, relationships that make us better, maybe open up new relationships. And I think forever, you know, social media has, you know, every has a good side and a downside. You can have all kinds of nasty, rotten stuff going on there, whether it's, you know, politics or disease or all kinds of things. But maybe look for other opportunities. Enhance social media, enhance the phone and, and other things like that to use those tools that are available to us and make them happen. Maybe call that uh, friend from college or whatever from a long time ago and just make a connection just to say hi, you know, whatever. I just think you've got some great stuff there. So let's talk for a minute, uh, Edie, about some habits maybe that you do or maybe you can help our, our listeners to, uh, to do as well, to help them to uh, continue this process. To, what I'm talking about is a framework, how you live your life, how your habits, your, your practices, your things that you can do to maintain health when bad things happen or you know, when normal day-to-day life it gets hard. What are some things that you can suggest to our folks uh, and how to do life, how to have self-discipline in your life that's helpful? Ritual is one of our most important go-tos. Ritual is, uh, is actually helps to make us feel more solid, more, more centered, more calibrated within our lives. So ritual can come in many different forms. And if you are a, a person who is prayerful, then perhaps waking up every morning and saying a prayer. Or if you have a special quote that you especially love, then repeat that quote. Or if your ritual, a morning ritual was that you would, you know, speak to a friend every morning, don't stop that. Another, another great ritual to incorporate right now, especially if you're homebound, is to create some kind of an exercise program. Because what we know is the movement of the body helps the movement of the brain and can help alleviate fear. So even if you, uh, if you live in an apartment, then walk back and forth in your apartment. If you live in a house and you can go to a, uh, outside, then, then go outside and just walk, you know, back and forth outside. You know, we are, we are still right now allowed to, to go outside. And, and if the weather is, is nice, move that body. Because what we know is the movement of the body affects the brain. The brain affects our ability to fight off infection, allows us to fight off depression and anxiety. That movement is better often than medication that's out there. Yes. So I really am a big advocate in getting that body moving. And, 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 and the other piece is cooking, following a recipe, <laughs> making something, and being in the kitchen. If you've got a, if you've got, if you're living with family or you're living with friends, then then you know create recipes, create whatever you can within that family unit. As long as no one's sick, as long as everyone is healthy, you know, cooking can be a wonderful ritual again. So uh, those are, those are some things that I think. Awesome. Well, what what I've heard you say, it is be integrated in your approach here. You need the spiritual, you need the physical, you need the, the creative part to be productive. You know, let's not just, let's not just approach grief. You know, I think uh, I've been around enough grief situations. I have had 
dealt with, I've been, been in ministry for 40 years. So I've been privileged, I'll say, to be at the bedside of many, many people when they've passed yeah. and their families and so on and conducting many funerals. So I've seen grief on many levels, some, some very crazy outlandish, I mean, people trying to climb in caskets and so on, some pretty crazy stuff too. You know, people handle all kinds of ways. And what I'm getting at here is that uh, there are ways that we can do this and still be human. You know, they'll still be human and still be relevant and, and be helpful to other people. Let's be the helpers. Let's not be the destructors. Yeah. And we also know of other folks who, when grief happens, they just go away. We don't hear from them again. They go veg out from the TV or whatever, and they they're they're gone. We don't want that either. So you've given us some great help here in your book and, and appreciate that. Let me just ask you one more thing, one more practical thing, and then I'm going to let, let you go and people can understand, can get connected to your book and, and through uh, Amazon and other places. I'd just like you to speak to that person right now, Edie, who is having some trouble dealing with everything. Now, it may be this coronavirus thing, or it might have been something impacted by that, losing the job, uh, not being able to visit their mother in the nursing home, uh, any number of things. But I'd like you to speak specifically to that uh, that person who is right now grieving, and they don't know what's step one for them. Give me a little process that can help that specific person who may be listening to us right now. Sure. So if, if you are finding that you can't go visit your, you know, your loved one in a nursing home or that you're not going to, you know, you don't have a job and you don't know what life is going to look like right now, there's nothing you can do to change what's going on around you. So let's focus on you. And, and what that looks like is instead of projecting about tomorrow and what's going to happen next, understand that you're not alone. And one of the things that I'd like you to say to yourself is, okay, I'm not alone. And I'm not the only one that's going through this. I'm going to maybe reach out to other people who are in my industry and see what they're, what, 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 what they're going through, because don't go through this alone. There are, there are platforms out there where people can talk about what's going on for them. And you really, really need to have a voice around this. Another, another part is, sit down and either write some things out on your computer. If you have a computer or journal, write out some thoughts that you're having and, and understand again, that maybe, maybe this is a time you think about, well, gee, what have I always wanted to do? How can I be creative? How can I, is there something artistic that I've always wanted to do? Is there something in my, um, in my dreams that I've always wanted to harness, like, gee, I've always wanted to um, learn about math, or I've always wanted to learn about art, or I've, I, I had a really hard breakup with this person, and I've really never got, gotten over it, and I'm just going to write out all the the, 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 the grief and the sadness that I felt around that. And then I'm going to let that go. And this is an opportunity for, for you to come back home to yourself and dance with yourself in a way that you never have. And when you partner with the thing that feels like your enemy, like grief and not make it into something that you want to push away and avoid, then it doesn't get bigger. And when you don't, when it doesn't get bigger, you actually have an opportunity to 
to mitigate it and calm yourself with it. So, well, that's awesome. That gives us a yeah, what. That's what I'm after. Some processes that people can actually go through that they can begin the process of uh, you know what we're talking about here. Here is having being a a whole person, a person of healing and wholeness who can deal with uh, these dramatic traumatic situations in a in a bit of a healthy way. And as you uh, as you said a while ago, to uh, you know let grow grow and don't let this thing outgrow your outgrow you let this problem outgrow you. So great great stuff here, and you can learn more about uh, Edie at her book. And uh, tell us the the book of uh, your book is it's grief the dance of self discovery through trauma and loss. And Edie, I'm assuming folks can get a hold of you through your website edienathan.com. That's yep. the best place to get a hold of you. That is the best place. EdieNathan.com. We'll put some things in our show notes about that as well. And of course, you can, you can find her book on Amazon and other places like that. And we're just very privileged to have today as our guest on the Power Promise podcast, the author of It's Grief, Edie Nathan. Awesome to have Edie Nathan with us to share her stories about her own walk through some times of grief and difficulty and how she's been able to speak into your life through her book, through her book, it's grief and gives us some very, uh, a process, a 12 step process. And I love that process that she has here that helps us to move through the stages of grief. And she has some great resources at her website, edianathan.com, a workbook and some other things that she has available there that can help you get through that and she remembers she just gives us a sense of the heart centered and the science centered and i think right now with the uh, situation we are dealing with with this coronavirus many of us are separated from others we're grieving in many ways and but we we are very interested in the getting a cure to this which is the scientific part and responding with the testing and so on but we also need to uh, be uh, responsible for our, our own emo- emotional health and for the emotional health of others, we are uh, connected with our family and friends and so on, especially when we were disconnected by social distancing. Let's not go bad or go bitter when the world is going uh, going to hell in a handbasket. Let's be proactive about taking care of ourselves and taking care of others. Here at the Power of Promise podcast, that's what we're trying to do. My name is Dr. Brad Miller. And I hold a degree in transformational leadership and hope to be helpful to you to make life transformation in your process as well. We've got lots of resources over at pathwayofpromise.com and we want to be helpful to you to help you navigate through things like grief and other adversity to achieve your life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. We invite you to join us next time here on the Power of Promise podcast. Until then, remember to keep your promises because there's power in a promise kept. Thanks so much for taking the Pathway to Promise with Dr. Brad Miller. As a subscriber, you'll be a vital part of the Pathway to Promise community. Visit us on the web at pathwaypromise.com. Until next time, remember to stay on your Pathway to Promise.